0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Moyes Health Podcast. Welcome to another episode. I hope you've been enjoying previous ones. And if you have, this is your opportunity to keep the podcast alive. Because things like podcasts, etc., they thrive either on a million and one freaking adverts in the middle of them, or... They thrive on reviews and traffic to said podcast. So if you want to keep this podcast alive and you want to support it, then the best thing that you can do is go over to Apple Podcasts, leave a review, leave a rating, and that way it bumps the podcast up the charts so that more people find it and more people get this information. And so without further ado, let's get into today's episode. Believe it or not, weight management and children comes up more so than you would think. As our society gets more and more filled with highly palatable takeaways and options, as families, we tend to have more and more things to do as well. So ultimately, takeaways become more of a staple in our lives than they were a few years ago. Back in the day, it used to be a treat, an occasional occurrence, maybe just at the weekends. Whereas now, it only takes a second to pop into a Greg's and grab a load of sausage rolls for only a couple of quid. Or to easily grab yourself a box of chicken nuggets on the way home. The problem with this is it means that that is directly impacting not just us, but our children too. The next generation. Plus, of course, with you know, COVID and lockdown, everything that came afterwards, and the way the world has changed since, we've got things like online gaming. And kids nowadays spend less time in the park, less time out with their friends, and more time connected to their friends online, leading to a more sedentary lifestyle. Now, obviously, combine a sedentary lifestyle with very calorically dense foods and it doesn't take a rocket scientist to wonder why our children are starting to have weight management issues much earlier on in life so in terms of what to do in terms of the general approach that i would recommend uh, one which is healthy and one which is very cautious and careful as far as weight management and kids This is the, I guess, outline framework that I would encourage you as a parent to apply. And although I say weight management and kids, let's not beat around the bush. Just because we are taking this information and potentially using it when it comes to educating our children, it is also incredibly important that we bear in mind that the simple science and application behind this information can also be applied to ourselves friends, our colleagues, family members. So don't just think kids when you're listening to this podcast because this is transferable through every generation, through every age range, and through every walk of life. And so I've broken this podcast down into seven sections. Section number one is positivity and attitude. Whenever you are talking about anything related to weight, self-image, food in general, all of these highly sensitive and potentially volatile, dangerous topics, you must keep it in the realms of positivity. We must not bring negative emotions around our bodies, around food, because ultimately, you can't grow any flowers in shit soil. The same is true for the uh, the relationship with food. the relationship with someone's body it's very very difficult to beat someone's body into submission and into change when it is negative. Sure occasionally as adults with an open mind a very balanced mind a little bit of self-criticism can be useful but for a child the worst thing that you can do is to criticize their physique. It's not as simple as just going, Oh, you've put on some weight, you need to go on a diet, or you know, or oh, you're getting a bit chubby round the belly, because these are the sentences, these are the scars that they will carry with them for the rest of their life. And I know this because I currently coach hundreds of people that are dealing with those conversations, dealing with those statements into later life, sometimes as late as their fifties and sixties. So it must remain positive. We must not just go straight for the throat when it comes to, oh, you need to lose weight. We need to be a lot smarter than that, a lot more cunning, strategic than that, but it must come from a positive place. It must come from a very careful and cautious place and you must think before you speak and think before you make comment because you do not know what scars those words will leave once they have left your mouth so number two where do we begin after we've recognized we need to be careful after we've realized that obviously we need to keep it positive what do we do well as adults first and foremost we need to control the environment the household the cupboards that is our domain Our job is to raise the best people we can, the healthiest people we can, the most open-minded and flexible people that we can. But first, we need to make sure that there are some very clear rules for the household and very clear rules as far as what we do. So, in a simple glaze over topic, There will be no takeaways during the week, for example. Takeaways are for the weekend. And you can bring finances into that. You can help your children understand that takeaways are expensive. But we need to recognize that they are not a staple in a diet. They are not something which can be just happen. They can happen occasionally on a road trip or things like that. But they are not designed to be a staple in a normal week or a normal working week, let's say, or school week. Secondly, there need to be some rules in the house regarding consumption. So we very much operated with the rule of one snack per day of each type. So you're only allowed one packet of crisps, only allowed one chocolate bar. Uh, And that way, you've got some control metrics in place. We also don't allow eating in the bedroom, A, because of hygiene and cleanliness, but also because uh, once you open the door that the bedroom can also be an arena of consumption, then you find yourself in a tricky environment, potentially down the line. Once your kids are old enough and they can go to the shop and buy their own food, what's stopping them from sitting at their desk while they're gaming and eating? There's nothing. So, you need to make sure you put those rules in play now, so that they grow up to be adults that understand that we don't eat in the bedroom. Now, Upon hearing this, I'm sorry if you enjoy breakfast in bed on occasion and there's categorically nothing wrong with having that as a treat on Father's Day or Mother's Day. But ultimately, when it comes to the general staples, the foundational rules of the house, the bedroom is not a place for consumption. So too, neither should the lounge be or the sofa. It's a little bit different when it comes to something like an evening snack, for example, but try your best to make sure that you are eating as a family, if your schedule allows, and of course, make sure that all meals are consumed at the table. That way, children, adults alike, are only focused on the consumption of the food and they're not focused on screens or televisions, etc., We've all done that thing where we've eaten mindlessly while watching TV and all of a sudden we hear a scrape of the fork, we look down and we've consumed all of our takeaway or whatever. Because we weren't mindfully consuming that food, we were just consuming it while consuming something else. And therefore the actual premise of buying that Chinese takeaway for example ultimately is lost. Because after you've had that first taste of, oh, that Chinese tastes good, you're then focused on Ant and Deck's Saturday night takeaway. You're not focused on the takeaway. So make sure that when you're eating, there is an actual arena for food. This is where we eat. And when we eat, we are focused on our eating and we are focused on one another. It also opens up the doors for communication, which ultimately then opens up the door to point number three education. As much as I appreciate our school system, I do believe there are fundamental flaws from a nutritional education perspective. Quite often I'll get my trio say to me, Daddy, is that healthy? And the problem is when you are talking about health, there are many factions of health. Let me give you an example. Something like a burger could be considered unhealthy. Why? Because it's not necessarily that rich in nutrients. It's high in saturated fat. It's high in salt. And it's also potentially very calorific. Therefore, if you were to class a burger on those merits alone, you would go, it's unhealthy. Therefore, if my triplets asked me and said, daddy, are burgers healthy? It would be very easy for me to say, no, darling, they're not. But actually, that's not strictly true. In 2023, we live in an environment where, as I said at the beginning of this podcast, highly palatable foods, fast foods, and more calorically dense nutrient light foods are more readily available and sadly, in some cases, cheaper to buy than good nutritious foods. These foods are a staple of our lives, categorically. And it's the reason why I take the approach I do with my coaching, because ultimately these foods aren't going anywhere. So instead of cutting them out and shutting your eyes to what's going on in the world, it makes far more sense to go, yep, they taste good, have them as part of your diet, but let's put some balance in place. So to go back to the question, are burgers healthy? Yes and no. From a physical perspective, you wouldn't wanna consume too many of them. But when you consume a burger, you enjoy the taste of it. Therefore, that enjoyment, that part of being human is being satiated. And it's not just about physical health, but it's about mental health. Let me take this to the extremes. Imagine if you only had chicken breast, rice, and broccoli, and that was your only meals. You wouldn't be particularly healthy from a mental perspective, Firstly, there was a study done on two groups. One had flexible dieting as their uh, their staple, where they could basically consume whatever they want as long as it was sufficient to their calories. The other had the traditional bodybuilder staple of chicken, rice, broccoli, fish, etc. What they found, in spite of the fact that on paper people thought that the bodybuilder diet was more healthy because they were getting their vegetable I say s plural but ultimately broccoli, one, They were, you know, they were getting plenty of protein. They were relatively nutrient-dense foods. The problem with the staple bodybuilder diet was it wasn't very flexible. And our nutrients come from consuming a variety of foods. And that's not just a variety of healthy foods. That's a variety of all foods because every food has something to offer us. There is no good. There is no bad. Depends on the goal. And also depends on how we live our life. If the goal is purely maintaining our weight and looking after ourselves, then it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that we probably need to make sure that we're not consuming too many of the calorically dense foods, too many foods high in saturated fat, too many foods high in salt, for example. It makes a lot of sense that we need to have a colourful, Plates. We need to have a variety of fruits and vegetables and meats and, uh, and, and carbohydrates. We can't just staple to one. And what this study found was that the diets or the group that followed the flexible diet, as opposed to the bodybuilder, actually were healthier nutritionally and were less devoid of nutrients uh, than the bodybuilder group, simply because they had that variety. So to go back to the question about burgers being healthy, it depends And moderation is absolutely key. The one thing I do believe from a, I guess, a cross-section of anecdotal evidence as far as our society, we're doing a pretty shit job of teaching our kids about moderation. You know, they are able to game until whatever hour they want, consume screens for as long as we see fit. You know, most of the time, too long. They're able to kind of consume whatever they want food wise, and there's no real moderation or understanding of moderation. And so this is where the educational side of things comes in. You can't just pigeonhole things black and white to healthy and not healthy, because the human body and the human brain is far more complex than that. Chocolate, for example, has a lot of good health benefits but a large amount of chocolate can be incredibly detrimental due to the fact that it is nutrient void and of course it is incredibly calorific. So therefore you can't just take the blanket approach of good foods, bad foods, healthy, unhealthy. You have to look at it in terms of context. You have to look at it in terms of you as an individual and really begin to understand that education around all foods is important. Plus, if you begin to cut foods out or you demonize them by saying, oh, no, these are bad foods. If I said to you right now, don't think about a sheep, you got a sheep in your mind. Why? Because the human brain cannot comprehend not doing something. You cannot tell your brain you're not allowed to do that because ultimately... You know, you might be able to keep your kids away from McDonald's for the best part of their childhood. But if they've grown up with a mum and dad that go, no, we don't have McDonald's, McDonald's is bad. Guess what they're going to do when they get their driving license and they've got their freedom? They're going to go to McDonald's. They're going to be the kid amongst their friends that does the McDonald's run every lunchtime when they're at sixth form or college. Because you haven't taught them moderation. You've just deprived them. And this is why all of these foods, all of these food groups, all of these takeaways, restaurants, choices need to be a part of our lives. Because ultimately, they're going to be. And every little bit of deprivation that you bring into the younger generation is going to magnify as they get older and they begin to question why you made those decisions. And they begin to then make their own decisions. So education is absolutely key if you are following that rule of sitting down together as a family then it is important for the kids to see you not only eating the same food as they do not the deprived old mummy's just going to sit here with an apple and some cheese while you've got this amazing meal you know this very kind of you know carby pasta whatever meal and then you have something else kids need to see you consume There needs to be a conversation around why does daddy have more on his plate than mummy has on her plate and therefore men require more calories. It's not a 2023 gender thing, it's a scientific factual thing. Men have faster metabolisms, men have more muscle and therefore by default men in a normal circumstance require more calories. Therefore, that's why daddy has a bigger plate than mummy. Why does mummy have a bigger plate than the kids? Well, kids don't require as many calories. What is a calorie? Well, a calorie is simply a unit of energy. That's how you get your energy from food. All food contains calories. Some food has lots and lots of calories in it and is very, very small, like chocolate. Some food has not many calories in it and actually is is really, really big. And your body consumes these foods differently and they're used for different jobs. A calorie is also made up of different macronutrients, so carbohydrates, protein, and fats. They each have a purpose in looking after your body. Again, these are the things that you as an adult, you as a parent, should be educating yourself on first so that you can then have that open discussion with your children. Do not shy away from it. And if you want some more help with this then by all means go over to the fat loss 101 podcast again i know it says fat loss in the title but ultimately all of the information or the simple information you need around nutrition is within that podcast plus as always if you'd like some further help i do coach for a living and like i said that can really pay dividends as far as further education to your next generation as well so The open conversation around food, around what food is, what's within food, where food comes from. Now, of course, you don't need to talk about all of the stuff that goes on as far as how that animal gets turned into the bacon, the pork chops, the beef, etc. But obviously, it is important to understand where that food comes from in a simple term. Variety is also key. I spoke about this earlier in terms of the flexible dieting group versus the bodybuilding group. But also, if you raise your kids on a broad spectrum of foods, then ultimately they're not going to be as fussier eaters as they grow up. They're going to appreciate foods. They're going to appreciate what different foods can bring to them. And it's also the opportunity to link the things that they are doing with the foods that they're consuming. If you have a footballer, if you've got a gymnast, if you've got a dancer... Their bodies get broken down through all that physical exercise. Therefore, turning the conversation towards protein and why protein is important and why vitamins are important. Sleep can also come into this conversation. Sleep is important for your recovery. Protein gets consumed, broken down into amino acids, which are effectively the cement that repairs your muscles from the damage that you put them through. And therefore, you need your sleep because that's the time that all of the workmen in your body go to work using those amino acids. Again, how you structure this within your household, within your family is completely up to you. I'm just here to give you some advice, some frameworks, some talking points to open up the door to that conversation. And speaking of that conversation, Not only was I asked uh, by one of my trio, are burgers healthy, but I get questioned a lot in terms of are bananas healthy, are apples healthy, is lettuce healthy, and the answer to that question is, well, it depends, because a lettuce, for example, is not going to satiate you and it's not really going to provide the energy you need to run around, but it is going to provide the vitamins and minerals you need to be healthy to make sure your eyesight is good, to make sure that you know, your fingernails grow and to ensure that you are healthy and you can go to the toilet without being in pain. Fibre, etc. Are bananas healthy? Well, at times, yes. It's probably not a good idea to have a banana just before you go to bed because bananas do have sugar in them. But bananas also have potassium and can be great for your performance when you are playing your football, etc. So they can be great to boost your energy before you go and play your games or do your uh, you know do your sports or do your kind of your dancing however it's probably not the best idea to have a banana for dinner because banana doesn't have a lot of protein in and those meals are all about recovery so a banana is great in terms of going and doing the action but it's not so good as far as recovering from the action so that opens then the door to the conversation between why different foods are needed for doing the thing and recovering from the thing. The conversation around the importance of both on and off, not just about go, 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 but also recover as well. Because sometimes when we've got a, a concern around one of our children and their weight or their health, we can easily be, come on, get up, you got to go, you got to go. And the conversation is always about what should they do? What should you go? And it's always about attack and it's never about recovery. The best militaries in the world know that you can't just battle, battle, battle. There has to be lulls. There has to be opportunities for recovery. You've got to make sure you can keep going. It's about longevity. And so the conversation there needs to be about the importance of a lazy Sunday, about the importance of having a lion and you know having a little bit of a sleep, etc. And of course, the importance of unwinding. And it's important for them, with all of the hard work they do with their studies, it is important for them to jump on their games and just disconnect from the world. To go and just be at peace in terms of playing their games and enjoying just taking themselves away from you know, the thoughts of socials and school and things. Go and lose yourself in some online gaming for a little bit. But moderation there is absolutely key. And so that brings me quite nicely on to point number four, which is questions. I know we've touched on a few of those already, but let's get a little bit more specific. Let's say that you have a child which you're concerned about their weight or, you know, worse still, you've got a child which is maybe picked up on a few things. Social pressures have started to come into play and they have started being really cautious about their consumption. They're off their food and they're talking a lot more about losing weight, etc. How should you then approach that? Well, transparency and communication is absolutely key. Before you go in like a bull in a china shop with a solution, first you need to listen. Just ask the question, why do you feel that way? Why do you feel like you can't consume that? Why do you feel like food is the problem? Why do you feel like you need to do these things? And why do you feel that way about your body? You don't need to then hear their response and immediately reply with a solution. Just open your ears and close your mouth. I was told many years ago, and I've used it many times with my kids, you got two ears and you got one mouth. Use them in that ratio. Do far more listening than you do talking. Because coming up with a strategy, coming up with a plan within the conversation is a stupid thing to do. The best thing that you can do is just listen. Just listen to what they're saying, take some mental notes and then go, okay, thank you for for sharing that with me. We'll talk about this again. You don't need to jump on the problem immediately and nine times out of 10, if you do, you're not gonna find the right solution. So just listen, take the information, go away and formulate a very strategic, healthy and gentle approach to make sure that your child has a decent relationship with food because there is categorically, no reason why any child, or any adult for that fucking matter, but child in particular, should be dieting. In the same way that if we had an overweight dog, we would walk them a bit more and we would reduce their calories through reducing their meal portion a little bit. It's the same as true for your child. Ultimately, with the children, as I said at the very beginning of this, you have control of the environment that your kids are in. Therefore, you have control of all of the food that comes into the house. You've put those rules in place that I spoke about. And therefore, now is the time for action as far as you making decisions when it comes to plating up their dinner, when it comes to ensuring that you are balancing what they're doing. And obviously, I'm talking about this from an overweight perspective. Let's say you've got a child that is overweight. You don't need to tell them that. You don't need to bring that to their attention. You don't even need to bring any of it to their attention. This is your job as a parent to keep an eye on the health of your children. And therefore, it's up to you to begin regulating their consumption. Not aggressively, but carefully and gently. We're playing the long game here, folks. Don't try and achieve it in the space of a month. So you can control the calories that they're consuming. Maybe switch out the snacks that you buy for them. Have a look at the food packets. How many calories is their regular afternoon snack after school? Let's choose something of lower calories. Sorry, kids, we're not going to be having Mars bars anymore. You're going to have a packet of party rings. Boom, you've saved 100 calories there. And 100 calories to a child is a lot. Then, of course, you've got their meal portions. You've got the opportunity to portion up things slightly differently or maybe change what you're cooking so it's lower in calories. You don't need to fucking tell them. You don't need to kind of go, oh, you're having this because it's low calorie. What merit are you going to give them where that's concerned? now i should pause at this point because all of this is very nuanced it is very situation specific so you should not go in as i said like a bull in a china shop and suddenly make all these changes because depends on you your household your children what they're used to and the situation that they are in dealing with a child which is potentially a little bit overweight is a very different situation to dealing with a child which is then body conscious and doesn't want to eat And this is why first you must face the devil you're dealing with. You must understand the problem first by asking questions and just by listening to your child and fight that inner urge to want to immediately do something about it. That brings me quite nicely onto point number five. I spoke at the very beginning, point number one was about positivity And point number five goes beautifully in tandem with that. And that is enjoyment. Now, shortly, I'm going to be touching on activity and exercise. And I suppose, ultimately, maybe I should combine points five and six. But everything you do should be based around enjoyment. It should be based around enjoy your food. We are one of the few species on the planet, in fact, arguably the only species on the planet consciously that eats for enjoyment not just in terms of survival. Therefore food is not just fuel as much as the fucking fitness industry wants to tell you that it's it's not the case. We eat because we enjoy it. This is why we snack and things like that. Yes, there are intrinsic systems within us that provoke and promote snacking such as ghrelin, etc. but ultimately we are a species where we go out for meals because of enjoyment. We create events around food. And therefore, with everything that you're doing, when it comes to weight management, your children, even yourselves, it needs to be enjoyable. It needs to be kind of open-minded. With the educational side of things, I spoke about previously, you need to make it fun. You need to make it enjoyable. Get your kids involved with cooking dinner. One night a week. Kids, you're doing the dinner on a Friday night. They can then choose what they're going to make. They can get involved with the cooking. You can support them in their cooking. But ultimately, you know, you're an adult listening to this, I'm assuming. At least you fucking should be. Kids, if you're listening to this, you have not been, we should not have been privy to this information. This is top secret parent shit. Fuck off. (laughs) But no, I digress. We all know as adults, one of the biggest skills that you need to learn or should know as you grow up is how to cook. You are going to spend the rest of your fucking life going, what am I going to have for dinner? What am I going to have for lunch? Life is basically one long groundhog day of what should I cook for dinner? And so the art of actually being able to cook and understand the changing of food as you cook it, you know, not burning things, etc and understanding the appropriate way to cook foods, that education can start young. Rewind. Who are the best cooks in our life? Think about it for a second. The best cook or best cooks in your life. Who were they? It was your grandparents. Why was it your grandparents? Because they grew up in a generation where they started cooking in the household. With no fast food or anything like that, they started cooking in their households from a very young age. Single digit age. Now, granted, the world has changed. We're not dealing with the same minds that we were back then. You can't just leave your six-year-old alone in the kitchen with the hob and expect the house to remain in one piece. But my point is that there is capacity. And it is important for us to look backwards to be able to know the right direction going forwards. We are severely handicapping our children by constantly cooking every single meal, not explaining what's in those meals, and not involving them in the process. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm well aware that during the week, you're busy. You just wanna get the meal cooked, job done, it's super simple for me, boom kids, here's your dinner, eat it, thanks very much. But truly dedicate one night a week where not only do the kids get to choose what they have, not a takeaway, by the way, and it must be ingredient-based. It can't just be, pop these chicken nuggets in the, uh, in the oven, pop these chips in the oven, fantastic, well done, kids, you cooked a meal. No, they reheated a meal. There's a difference. But obviously, on that Friday night, it gives them the opportunity to get up close and personal with the food, to really create something, get their creative juices flowing, as the old saying goes, but also to understand the caloric content of that food. The nutrient content, the different components of it, and then also to enjoy cooking, enjoy the preparation of food and flavors and begin to understand. It doesn't matter if you're not a very good cook, buy some fucking cookbooks. Buy a simple one, go on Amazon right now. Here is a simple cookbook every Friday night. You guys are going to pick out a dish that you're going to do. Now, obviously, you need to pick it out over the weekend so you can get the ingredients, etc. to do it, but keep it simple. How many kids out there do you know how to cook a fucking bolognese or a shepherd's pie? All of these super simple dishes, but do your children know how to cook them? Do you know how to cook them? So again, different metrics, different households. This may already be something which you're aware of, but here to enlighten. Here to kind of broaden the scope of, of, oh yeah, didn't think of that. Which brings me, as I quite rightly alluded to, onto point number six, which is activity and exercise. Enjoyment has got to come into that as well. I'm a big believer that exercise is fucking pointless if you don't enjoy it. I could get every single one of my clients running and lifting weights and they would be far more successful if they stuck to it than they currently are. But that former bit is the most important thing if they stuck to it. Because not everybody enjoys lifting weights. Not everybody enjoys running. Not everybody enjoys exercise in general, but here's the thing. With our kids growing up, we are dealing with a much more sedentary generation, as I spoke about earlier with the internet and what we have access to. We barely need to leave our homes. In fact, we don't need to leave our homes. We can earn money from home. We can get everything delivered to home. Literally, there has never been more of a lifestyle setup that means leaving home is ultimately, in a lot of cases, not necessary. And now our kids don't even need to leave home to see their friends, to socialize, even though that's really important. So when it comes to these sedentary activities, they're part of their lives. My son is, is going to be com- pursuing a career in computers. Therefore, computers need to be a part of his life and a relatively big part. We need to make sure that you know he stays up to date with what is going on in the world where he hones his craft, hones his skills. And we also need to make sure that he enjoys himself and he enjoys his life. And that's what he does enjoy. But ultimately, it can't just be about one thing. We know as adults, we can't spend each and every day sat on the sofa consuming Netflix or Disney Plus in the same way that our children cannot sit there playing games all day long. There has to be some physical activity. Now, I grew up in a pub generation. I was a pub kid. And so walking into a pub to me is, is second nature. It's an environment I know. It's an environment that I'm relaxed in. Gyms, however, that's a learned activity. That's a learned environment for me. It's not something that I'm that familiar with. It's not something that I'm that comfortable with, or at least I wasn't in the beginning. Now, I always wanted my children to grow up the opposite. I don't mind if the pub was a little bit more of an alien kind of place, but I wanted gyms to just be a staple in their life. I love the way that both Americans and particularly Australians tend to do it, where fitness and being active is just a part of their lives, part of their days. Now, we're not like that. The world is gradually changing, but at present, we're not. And I'm not like that. You know, I do have to consciously think about my activity and consciously think about my exercise. It's not a standard staple for me and you could argue that us in relation to Australia it's a climate-based thing but I would argue it's just a culture-based thing but that doesn't mean that 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 culture especially that culture within your family can't evolve so when it comes to being active being active is the simple fact of being on your feet so whether that is doing Joe Wicks with your bloody kids whether that's going to the gym and involving them in that whether that's going to play tennis, going swimming, badminton, going through a bike ride, whether that's going to the park and just letting them run around, have a kick around with a ball, whether that is just playing a game of tag or a game of Marco Polo even, all of these things require them to be on their feet, require them to raise their heart rates, to be active. And there's a million, a million and one different things in between. But rules need to be put in place, as I said, in point number two rules need to be put in place when it comes to the way and the timing of which they are doing those sedentary activities. There's absolutely nothing wrong. Again, you are the master of your own household. There is absolutely nothing wrong with you ever putting a rule in place when it comes to earning time doing those things. As an adult, we have to earn our time on the sofa. We have to earn our time, you know, doing the things that we want to do. So why in hell should that not be taught to the next generation from an early age? Nothing comes for free in life, folks. Very valuable lesson. So if we have to go out to work to earn our opportunity to put our feet up watching a Formula One on a Sunday or to enjoy an evening in front of the, you know, Netflix, etc., if we have to earn those things by being active, then our children can earn the sedentary activities that they enjoy doing, as we enjoy our Formula One, sedentary, Netflix, etc. Then there's nothing wrong with that. So whatever your family looks like, whatever your household looks like, put systems in place. Put things in place to earn that sedentary time. Make being active the staple. You burn a fuck ton of calories doing housework, garden work, DIY, all of these things. So implement them. And I know kids have this nasty way. If you give them a job, they do a shit job of it. So therefore you end up taking five times as long to teach them to do it than it would have been for you to just do it. But don't miss the point. Give them jobs which ultimately don't impact you too much. Tidying their room, for example. Organizing their stuff. Kids have a nasty habit, as you know, of trashing places and then just leaving them. But tidying up, being active, is another way of being active. And when it comes to activity, that is a very different animal than exercise. They are two separate things. The most important thing when it comes to your child being fit, controlling their their weight autonomously of course, and having a good quality of life is being active in day-to-day life. The movement that we don't even think about, being on our feet. Exercise is a very formal, a very conscious thing. We are going for a walk, we are going for a bike ride, we are going to play football, etc. But general activity around the home, housework, tidying up, garden work, etc. All of these things are incredibly important because as I spoke about in the Fat Loss 101 podcast, the majority of your caloric burn comes from day-to-day lifestyle activity and not from exercise. But as I said in point number five, enjoyment has to be absolutely key. You must not force them, and you certainly must not use terminology like, come on, we're going to go for a bike ride so we don't gain weight. It doesn't work like that. Those that do the best job of maintaining their weight without really thinking about it have structure in their lives, structure surrounding their meals, Structure surrounding their nutrition and their choices. Structure surrounding their socializing and their takeaways. Structure surrounding their days and activity. Some have rules in place. The television doesn't go on until 7pm. Because there's shit to do before them. Why would I sit down and consume somebody else's stuff? My granddad used to have that rule. It would drive me nuts as a kid. But actually I'd go over his house and he would not allow the TV to be on until we got home from work. Because during the day was a time to be productive. There's some lessons there. And finally, we reach point number seven. In the longest podcast I've ever done, but hopefully you guys are appreciating this one. Double the length so far of the normal podcast. So we'll count this as two episodes, yeah? None of this works unless you're consistent. None of this works unless you keep doing it. Unless the conversation remains the same the attitude remains the same. You can't say that a burger is unhealthy one day and then the next day go, well actually it's a bit more nuanced than that, purely because on that second day you weren't feeling quite as dismissive or quite as lazy. You weren't quite as distracted. Same thing goes for the rules around being sedentary. If you're inconsistent, kids will find a loophole. They always do. And believe me, they've got a great memory of citing times when they didn't have to do the activity to get the gaming etc trust me when kids want to they're like fucking lawyers they will (laughs) bloody refer to well actually i'll take your mind back to the 25th of june 2018 when actually that was a particular time that i didn't have to Hoover the house before i could go and play gaming so ultimately a precedent has been set lawyers in training i tell you but consistency is 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 absolutely key. Every Friday night happens without fail. All of these rules, you know, point number two I spoke about happens without fail. And, you know, obviously it goes without saying if it is you and your partner or other people in the household, other adults that are contributing to the parenting, that includes the nans, by the way. You go off that go off to their houses and things like that. They've got to sing from the same hymn sheet. Now, nans will never completely sing from the same hymn sheet because, as we all know, nans are a law unto themselves. But having that conversation with them, explaining to them the importance of what you're doing, and that they don't need to agree because, again, when you're dealing with nans, you're dealing with a different generation, a different level of understanding. They don't need to agree with you, but they need to trust you. And they need to understand that they are your rules as the parents of those children. But as I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, all of this information isn't just about our children. It's about you. The buck stops and it starts with you. The people that you produce, who they grow up to be is a direct reflection on you and the consistency and the foundation that you lay as a parent. They will evolve their own personalities they will evolve their own approach towards this but if you keep an open mind approach things from an enjoyable and a positive perspective and most importantly with the rules and the things that you bring into place you are consistent then you will find yourself with a much healthier child when it comes to their bodies their minds their nutrition their weight Because, as parents, there are some things that we need to shield our children from as long as possible. The traditional social media fuckery around body image is one very good example. Our children need to be shielded from that as long as they possibly can be. But whilst we are shielding, we can also protect in another way. And that is through education through understanding so that when the time comes that they come across these videos and these personalities and these posts and these conversations and these topics they are armed with the knowledge already of understanding it recognizing and calling things out by going well that's not correct hell my trio are currently six seven next month and if someone jumps on TV and goes this is unhealthy they're the first people to go well no that's not true that's not unhealthy is it it's only unhealthy if you have lots of it they'll call out their friends as well it's about balance folks it's about balance it's about moderation and it's balance and moderation through understanding it's not just we only have a takeaway at the weekend end of it's we only have a takeaway at the weekend because a it's expensive and b if you have too many of these things they're not very good for you but at the weekend is absolutely fine. It's good for you mentally and it's, it's nice to enjoy it, isn't it? And so that's the attitude that you need to take going forwards. An attitude of both understanding, of listening, but also one of balance. So I wish you the very best of luck. As a fellow parent, it's hard, it's tricky. It is difficult to be consistent. But you must be. Because that is your role and has been since the day they entered this earth. And it will be your role until the day that you leave it. So folks, accept what you cannot change. Can't change the fact there's a McDonald's in every corner. You can't change the social media shit. But focus on what you can control. And have the wisdom to know the difference. Guys, I'll see you on the next one. And as always, feedback, fire it over. Don't forget to do your Apple podcast review. Like I said, it's what keeps this podcast alive. So if you're appreciating this information and you're appreciating these episodes, then you know what to do, okay? And if you haven't done it, please go and do it now. If you haven't done one for a while, please go and do it. Share it on social media. Like I said, it is the referral that keeps the podcast going. And folks, I will see you on the next one. Toodles.